Pickaxe. Breaking Benson, not Benson's, breaking Podiots. Breaking Podiots. This just in. There are several more places on Google Maps that Podiots is now proudly presenting. Oh my God, it's never ending. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm growing to love it more and more as time goes by. They're getting more creative. It's, it's truly, truly maniacal. I'm fearing it more and more because like not only, so, you know, any random person could decide to change the Time Bridge's name to Dave's Bridge, you know, just for a joke. And it happens and people do, people do vandalize Google Maps. But the more that this happens... It might like garner enough attention that it gets like an article written about it. Like, <laughs> why is the word "podiots" all over all over Google Maps? What is this word "podiots"? I welcome it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Free yeah. advertising, right? Absolutely. It's a free yeah. thing to bring along as well, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> sure is. Should we run through some of these? Oh, yeah. I want to. I want to kick off with the one that instantly jumped out to me. Is uh, in Ireland. There's the Podiot's Emporium of Kraken Bants. <laughs> very silly. brilliant. I like that one. Have you got one, Peter? I don't remember which of these we read last week, but I've got Podiot's proudly presents the Dave Benson Phillips Park, which is a place <laughs> of worship. Brilliant. It's an Ipswich. Lovely. Uh, what about Podiot's presents Silica? which is a shop within a mall of America somewhere. Oh, nice. Love it. Uh, what else we got? What else we got? There's a skate park in the middle of nowhere named after us now, which is great. I have to make good. a pilgrimage there. Good, good. Go and do some skating. Excellent. Yeah. Mad Excellent. stunts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's, a, there's, a, there's um. Oh, where is this? In Southampton, just outside of it, there's uh, Podiots Presents, the Humble Water Taxi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's like an actual business as well. It's not just a derelict plot. Whoops. Uh-oh. Whoops. <laughs> uh, just north of Swindon, if you feel like going to Swindon, you could visit the Podiots Presents, the Keith Chegwin Memorial Naturist Park. Oh. <laughs> it's lovely. Fantastic. Um, you got some more, Peter? I'm, I'm looking for some more. No, not ones that I've not already done. Uh, what is this one? Podiots presents the Big Hole Museum, Good. Uh, which yeah. has been placed down on like what I assume is some amazing natural wonder. It's like this giant lake thing with like vertical cliffs all the way around it in South Africa. Um, someone's just named it the Big Hole Museum. <laughs> uh, uh, and there's uh, don't forget. Podiots presents Wank House in Germany. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I right like next one. door to Podiots present Wank View. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's silly. That's silly. It Stop is. it. <laughs> but we've also got Podiots presents Crystal Palace Dinosaur Park. Uh, that's that's the oh, that's brilliant. the crowning champion, I think. I'd love Podiots. to go there. I've always wanted to go since I was a little boy. <laughs> to Crystal to Podiots presents Crystal Palace Dinosaur Park. Yes. Wow. Well, you can get a picture with a sign that says our name on it. We should be able to get in for free now. Yeah, I can only assume that when the name changes on Google Maps, they have to update all of their signage in real life as well. Yeah, it's yeah. a right? le- legally it binding re- thing. All redone. There's um, Podiots Presents Hapenny Bridge. Yeah. Um, not sure where that is. Uh, Amsterdam, maybe? Um, uh, it does look very Amsterdam, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Oh, no. Looking at it, it might be Ireland. Oh, could be. 
I suppose if it's Hapenny Bridge, it's not going to be an English. It's going to be an English speaking um, uh, country, isn't it? It does say Droichid na life underneath it, and I've butchered that for sure. Dublin. It says Dublin. Yeah, that could be Aiden Irish. submitted yeah. it and said uh, in Dublin. So there you go. That'll be okay. That's where that okay. is. Yeah. There's all sorts. After the podcast, I might log on to my uh, vandalism account and rename the landmark for the twat sign to Poddy's Presents the twat sign. <laughs> <laughs> Put a little picture of your, your, your picture in there. Peter, yeah, you've well. got to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get that in there. Mm-hmm. For sure. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Poddy. It's the official, official. Vidiots podcast. Uh, it's a conversational podcast where we take some questions from you at home and obey the law of the three us, where everybody brings a thing to, to talk about. about. I'm Ben. I'm Peter. And I'm Michael. Right, boys. Right there, Mikey, you're a little bit... Sounding a little bit sexy there. I'm a little pony at the minute. I've got, I've got, I've got, got the ills. I'm fine. Oh. I'm on the tail end of it. My lovely, my lovely holiday away was rudely interrupted by Mister Cold Virus. No, so, no. But yeah, I, I, I sound all sexy and radio voicey today, so it's going to yeah. be extra, extra good. It's going to worked out well then. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. I should, I should aim to get ill exactly a week before every <laughs> podcast. Yeah, so I get, I get this, these lovely dulcet tones through your ears. Yeah. How are you two doing? Doing all right, thanks. Yeah, yeah. I've had my cold as well the past couple of uh, about a week, week or so ago. So, yeah. Good, good. You had yours yet, Ben? Your summer Not cold? Yet. No, I'm just sort of looking. I mean, you've seen. I'm about to talk about my yeah. gammy arm, Peter. I'm just looking. Mm-hmm. At oh, it now. No. fair enough. I'm just looking at it right now. I got tattooed. Ooh. On uh, well, let's. Oh, how many days ago was it? Time is meaningless. Uh, like five, six days ago. And five days ago. And it is so sore. It's so sore. This is the sorest a tattoo has ever been that I've uh, in the sort of healing process. It is not looking good currently. Um, I've been reassured that it's fine. But my God, it is. It's angry, Michael. It's so angry. It is really angry looking. I've seen it. Oh, the things it's, we do for pain. I mean, for beauty, sorry. For beauty, yes. <laughs> yes. yes, I love pain. <laughs> I, it's so hot anyway at the moment. And I just am struggling to sleep because my arm is so sore and I can't lie on it. And it, it's, it, I got tattooed on my inner arm. So when I, I can't really stretch it out straight and I can't really bend it either. And it's just sort of like I'm putting on white shirts because it's so hot outside. And then it's just sort of like kind of oozing through it it's horrible it's so horrible and i've i had it wrapped up in cling film to begin with and i think i got like some kind of sweat rash because it was so hot outside basically it's been an entire disaster and i'm just praying that soon it scabs up real nice because at the moment oh man i'm losing my goddamn mind it's so itchy i just want to just want to scratch all the skin off my arm oh have you tried Giving it a good old slap—that's the uh, the best method for Give it a yeah, slap. the yeah. If I slap it, I think it will mostly come <laughs> off anyway in like just one big lump. Just oh, your tattoo will just peel off. off. My my arm might just fall off at the at the joint. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm irritable, shall we say? Oh, <laughs> good. Feeling feeling a bit irritable. Um, 
but otherwise okay. Ready for winter now, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I can complain about it being cold instead. Yeah, at least we're not sweating through that all time. I didn't expect there to be a second heat wave. I thought we were done with it. I oh, thought that was the God. peak, but no. It's coming back. Yeah. Oh, boy. And as Peter and I said to each other earlier, it's going to be worse next year. <laughs> Yay! And every year following. Oh, boy. Yes, it most certainly is. Uh, but if people listening at home would like to support us, I don't know, by maybe donating money so that we can buy small Argos fans and then wonder why the fans why we're not cool when we've got our 10 pound argos fans yeah um then you can go to streamlabs.com forward slash poddy it's donations if you donate three pounds or more you get a shout out at the beginning and the end of the show you support us in what we do and you might also keep us cool potentially um and buy lots of tattoo cream to help after Ooh. the fact mm. mikey yes do you have the first group of donators? I do indeed. Let us begin with Peter's Drunk Gaming Uncle. I've got to do the voice for this one. EA Spunk. Nope, sorry. EA Spunk. It's in my ass. Whoa. <laughs> hey, the, the cold paid off nicely for that one. That was very good. <laughs> Thank you. Love Spuds. Romantic Canal Museum. Uh, the very stupendously generous Tanker Wanker. Wow. They say, here's a $200 dues. Blimey. Uh, blimey indeed. Thanks for all the laughs and entertainment over the years as I drive around the east coast of Australia. About time I finally chipped in. 100 bucks for the podcast and 100 bucks for Peter as a wedding gift. Cheers, oh. lads. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, thank, thank you, Tanker, you, tanker Wanker. Mr. Wanker. <laughs> Janet Wicks steals from Wicks. Wicks. <laughs> Wicks. Harry Balzac. Stephen Scordes. Mr. Black. Mr. Blobby becomes a nude model. Plodiot and Donak07. Thank you all. Thank you all. Thank you, Tanker Wanker, for the Thank wedding you. gift. That's very mm. kind indeed. Uh, the list continues with Weddy Feber Doves Lick. Uh, Lord Brotovich, Hobnob for Blobjobs, <laughs> Cowboy B. Brock, Big Titty Jesus 42, The Jizz Waffles, Caroline, Your New Wife's a Cunt, Ooh, whoa. Ben Gates, Go Beep Beep Wee, <laughs> Janet Wicks, Wicks, sorry, Janet Wicks steals from Wicks. Twice. <laughs> Stiff Goblin Clitoris, Your Carp is Beautiful. Ben's son and head jizz. Very good. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to need some help with that one. What's that? Benson and Hedges. Oh, Benson. Okay, got it. Hey, got it. Go. Ben's son and head jizz. <laughs> the official uh, cigarette of the Podiat's podcast. <laughs> yes. Uh, Podiat, Podiat present Caroline's cunt. Caroline's, sorry, it says. Caroline's, yeah, yeah. Um, and Bartek Hugh G for skin ton. Okay. I'm not saying it in any other way. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's totally fine. Uh, we've also got... Ca- <laughs> Caro time here is Bean's line. Right. What, is, what does that mean? <laughs> what does it that means mean? Caroline here is Bean's time. But someone's fucked it up. Oh. Well, they've done it on purpose, I think. Have they? Yeah, it's a sort of a spoonerism, I think. I'm, I'm not sure. I can't. I just can't see it. 
You're making them feel really uncomfortable. They're, they're listening now and they're like, oh, Well, no. you know what? They're just going to have to donate again and explain it. Oh, yeah. no. Maybe across several donations, you know? I don't understand that one. Citation needed. Uh, I am the Shaft Lord, Midwestern Kevin, Dick and Dom in the Naked Jungalo, Mr. Macker, for Podiat's Defense Fund. Thank you. Thank you. A great wet belp. Running out of nasty names, the very generous Prince Beefcakes, who says, hope you all haven't melted yet. We're getting melting, there. It's still time. Yeah. Ashton, kick him in the balls. <laughs> Rave Benson Phillips and Snail Rehab. I think it's Snail Rehab's birthday, maybe, as well. Ooh, Just no. double check. Yes, it is. I hope you had a wonderful birthday. Thank you. Uh, Do you know what we should start doing? What's that? We should, we should pick our favourite name every episode. Oh, okay. What's your favourite? I quite like Dick and Dom in the Naked Jungalo, purely because of the last word. Jungalo is clever. That rhymes with bungalow. It does. That naked is naked jungle. It's so clever. It is very clever. Yeah. What are yours? Mm. I'm, for some reason, I'm drawn towards, for no reason, uh, a, a great wet belp. Yeah. <laughs> belps are good words. Like, what, is a, good. what is a belp, please? In my head, that's like it's like a combination fart and burp. It's very wet sounding and visceral. Cool. A belt. Uh, actually, it's a municipality in Switzerland. Oh well, well there, there you go. go. <laughs> it's been great, the ra- it rains there a lot. <laughs> yeah. Wet belt. Oh, what's it in Urban Dictionary? Hang on. Oh, that's the important. One. A technique used by old Irish farmers to till and rake the land in prospect of cultivating potatoes. Ooh. Yo, dude, that chick thinks she knows belping, but she is whack. Is the example five right. thumbs up, three thumbs down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A mixed, mixed batch there. Um, my favorite one that we got is uh, Hobnob for Blob Jobs. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's, that's a good, good. I like that one. Solid, yeah. solid. It's fun. I enjoyed that one. Um, well, excellent. Thank you so much. That's your pod squad for this week. Streamlabs.com forward slash poddy. It's donations three pounds or more to get a shout out at the beginning and the end of the show. I am Question Boy this week. I have a question. Would you guys like to hear it? Oh, please. Yes, please. This is from Sam at Samuel DeBarber. You are a relief teacher. I think that means substitute teacher. And have not been left any work for the students. You can't let them off <laughs> or work on other classes, nor can you talk about any of your favourite tropes, ferrets, National Trust, Game Boys, video games, etc. What would you teach a lesson on? Assume it's an English class, for example. <laughs> Oh man, that's Purely a really good from question. Your own knowledge, what would you not necessarily competently, but what would you teach a class? It's a bit weird given that they've ruled out our favourite tropes, because where's the line? You know, I could pick some say some interesting period of history or, you know, some kind of interesting event. Um like I wouldn't choose this, but for example, we, me and Amy have been watching the uh, a Netflix documentary about the, the D.B. Cooper hijacking, if you're mm. aware of that. The guy who, like, in the 70s hijacked a plane, uh, land, got the crew to land it in an airport, said, I'm taking the crew hostage, I've got a bomb, I want $200,000 and five parachutes. So they gave it to him. He then got them to fly over the mountains in America, and he jumped out of the plane with all the money he didn't harm anyone mm. and no one know he was never caught and no one knows who he was so just a quick thing there but anyway something like that for example i find interesting and if i picked some kind of interesting historical event is that still a bit sort of peter austin tropey if you see what i mean like where's the line 
I, I think that's fine. I, yeah, yeah, I think I know. that's okay. I think if okay. you went in and taught them about the 50p game, that would be too much. Yeah, that's, okay, that's silly. okay. Well, I wouldn't pick DB Cooper, but I'll think. It'd be something like that. Have you guys got answers? I I feel like the only thing that is actually I, I know about that's worth teaching is the weird hijinks that Benjamin Franklin got up to with his uh, his part proudly <laughs> oh, yeah. letter and his mm-hmm. advice on how to choose a mit- mistress. I think it's got some kind of, you know, actual, well, it can be presented as, you know, a history lesson, but actually it's just the most useless and important bits of this man's life. who did quite a lot of things. I think I could, I could probably blag it for a bit. And then at the end, I'd have everyone write their own interpretation of Fart Proudly. And you know, if you were writing this for a modern audience, how would you write about your farts? <laughs> <laughs> Got to give yeah. them a task for the last half hour of the lesson. I can't Create your like own TikTok that. to get people to Fart Proudly. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. The modern version. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. Hmm. Is that a thing in classes now? Like, I guess media studies classes are all about making TikToks and stuff. Oh, surely, yeah, they TikToks teach them about such, TikToks. But... I get them to probably make video, online video. I don't know if it would be TikToks. Might be. It's the, it's the number one thing. You got If you're going to get in the media now, you've got to know your TikToks. Yeah. Yes. Yes, you do. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Um, <laughs> I, I really struggled with this one. So I might be the supply teacher that does what everybody hopes supply teachers will do, which is wheel in the big television. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and put on, on the Shrek. River 7 video. <laughs> yeah, that that first and then Shrek. Okay. Yeah. Well, only the first 40 minutes of Shrek. Only the first 40 minutes of Shrek, because first you need to learn about the... Um, at least a little bit. And, um, and then move on to Shrek. Oh, we man. once went on a day thing... Uh, which for some reason was at an army base, even though it was like, I think it was a kind of a, a religion. It was it was um, kind of the RE department took us on this trip. So we just learned about like ethics and stuff. But it was at this army base for some reason. And I remember one of the sessions, the first session after lunch, we just sat and watched A Bug's Life. And I don't remember why it was relevant. <laughs> But it was such a strange experience. And we arrived and this this base was like out in the middle of all these fields, like in the middle of nowhere, all these farmers fields. And they'd um, just sprayed them all with manure. They'd like had all the muck spreaders out. So we got off the bus and it fucking stank so much of real bad muck spreader smell. And we had to like do some sessions outside where we learned about whatever i don't remember you know trust exercises or like what like all you remember is the smell yeah all i remember (laughs) is the smell and one of the like dorms if that would be the word i don't know what the word would be it had like their bedding dangling out of the window for some reason those are the three things i remember from the day (laughs) the image of this blanket hanging out of like a second floor window the stink of shit and the fact that we watched A Bug's Life after lunch, and I don't know what the relevance was. Um, <laughs> they had to fill some time. That was the relevance. Yeah. <laughs> Very uh, important day, clearly. Yeah. Uh, this has got me really wanting to put together like a collection of iconic wet, wet, wet dinner break movies or TV shows. Like stuff that everyone's kind of had to watch at some point in school just to help fill in a wet, wet break period yeah there's got, there's got to be some bangers on that spy spy kids as i think i've talked spy about many kids. times before was our go-to was it it was always shrek for us oh really yeah. <laughs> spy kids and mr bean that was that was uh, oh that mr was, bean uh, that's a good that's a good, good one to have to watch yeah. educational cultural. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah jesus well 
It's time for a thing to happen. I don't know if you can hear those sirens behind me, but uh, maybe the Newcastle's thing alarm. <laughs> the thing alarm has sounded. Who would like to do their thing first? I'd like I've... to kick. Oh. oh, go for it, Mikey. No, oh, no. Oh, there's a fight. I'm happy to go first if you yeah, boys are happy do. to listen to this, this voice for a little bit. I'd love to. I come with a tale of one of the greatest hoaxes to ever take place on uh, British soil. Um, this is the story of the Burners Street Hoax. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's quite quite a renowned event. Ah, no. I think so. Maybe, maybe as I get into it, you might recognise it, but it's, it's a bloody good tale. So Burners think... Street sounds familiar, but I have no idea what it, what it is. Well, let's what see if this rings is. any bells. Yeah. In November of 1810, Theodore Hook and his best friend Samuel Beasley were taking a stroll down Berners Street in Westminster, London, a particularly wet affluent area which was inhabited by elites such as the bishops of Carlisle and Chester, Lady Coote, and most importantly, the main character of this story, Mrs. Tottenham. Lady Coote. Lady, Lady Coote. Coote. I, okay. I, I, I couldn't really find anything about her. I just liked her name, so I chucked her in the list. That's good. <laughs> That's how I base my people off of. you got a good name, good, you're in. Uh, so before we get into the day's events, I think we should establish Hook's character. Uh, at this point in time, he was 22 years old and is best described as an absolute tinker of a man. He was highly intelligent, considerably wealthy, but most importantly, he was very mischievous. He was incredibly well-to-do and considered himself a playboy and a practical joker. So essentially, this is um, a rich boy running around London doing whatever the hell he wants. And this is this is the greatest example of his work. So on this walk with uh, Hook and Beasley, they passed by 54 Berners Street, Mrs. Tottenham's address. Hook pointed at the house and turned to Beasley and said, I bet you by this time next week, I can make that house the most talked about house in London. So Beasley obviously took him up on this and the game was afoot the stake for all this was a one guinea bet which is about 87 pound in today's money so it's a it's a pretty good bet and i'm pretty sure beasley thought this is easy money for me what's he gonna do to make this house the most talked about house in london well (laughs) you're about to find out november 10th rolled along exactly one week after this encounter and the clock struck 7 a.m and there was a knock at Mrs. Tottenham's door. Mrs. Tottenham is obviously too important and wealthy to busy herself with opening her own front door, so a poor servant opened the door and was greeted by a chimney sweep who said they were here to clean Mrs. Tottenham's chimney. They told the chimney sweep that they didn't need their services and they were mistaken and to please move on. They shut the door on them, and a few months later, there was another knock at the door. Same story again. Another chimney sweep who had supposedly been booked in to work that day. They were also moved along. And then there was another knock at the door. And another. And another. And another. Altogether, uh, 12 chimney sweeps knocked at the door in quite rapid succession. The poor maid's anxiety must have quickly mounted because none of the delivery, uh, none of the people fast arriving at the door had been ordered by the household. Now, this is, this, is, this, is, this is funny, this is innocent in its own, own right, but it's not quite most talked about house in London levels of chicanery. Of course, if people are still talking about this 200 years after the fact, that obviously wasn't everything that took place that day. This was only the beginning of the onslaught. 
As the morning progressed, more and more people turned up to 54 Berners Street until a huge crowd of angry, shouting merchants had gathered outside the front door. Each one had been booked in for this date under false pretenses to carry out some kind of business. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start rattling off all the different kinds of people and businesses that uh, that made up this crowd. Okay. So, at the door, knocked. Male midwives, tooth pullers, miniature painters, artists of every description, auctioneers, grocers, textile merchants, horse-drawn taxis, mourning coaches. Yes, the kind you'd see at a funeral. Poultry sellers, an undertaker accompanied by a coffin made to measure. Oh, no. That's that's kind of dark, that one. It is. Made to measure. It made the coffin. Yeah. Wine porters, barbers, opticians, upholsterers, doctors, and attorneys. That's not all, don't you worry. At about 5pm, a host of servants turned up after being told there was a job opening waiting for them. And then, not long after, 50 bakers turned up with a total of 2,500 raspberry tarts between them all. Oh 2,500? Yes! Quick maths, just... please. Quick maths. Oh, well, how many is that each? Uh, 2,500 mm. share by 50. That's fi- That's only 50 each. That's not too bad. Oh. Yeah, Still. Doesn't seem, uh, that doesn't seem so crazy anymore. Oh, I'm going to find out how much it costs. Um... <laughs> Yeah, imagine that must have been like crates upon crates of raspberry tarts. Not a bad thing. I think she must have been pretty pleased with that. But again, that's not all. This is just the beginning. Still. Still not all. Not all. Thank you. A fleet of carts carrying large deliveries of coal began to arrive. Have you seen the price? Have you seen the price of coal? (laughs) I'll tell you the price of uh, 2,500 raspberry tarts based off the price of a two pack of raspberry tarts at. Campbell's Bakery, um, it would cost £2,712.50 to pay for all of those tarts. Oh, yeesh. What year was this, Mikey? Uh, 1810. 1810. <coughs> Currency. Got some serious maths going on. To now. Oh, that's, that's okay. Value of £1810 to now. Right. Oh, this is going to be hard to work. Work backwards. <laughs> I don't know how to do this. Uh, <laughs> no, oh, the cumulative price change is Peter. Do you still have the total there in your? Yeah, calculator? it's about two point seven thousand modern you, pounds. Well, the 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 cumulative price change from eighteen ten to twenty twenty two is eight thousand six hundred twenty eight point one six percent. So if you divide by that, then <laughs> you get the original eight thousand. 628.16. Yeah, possibly. I don't know if that's what it's done, but it looks like it may have been... Oh, no, I don't know about that. Well, a 100, 100 pounds in 1810 yep. is worth 8,728 pounds today. So does that look like it makes sense based on your answer you've got there? Uh, not really, no. <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> I don't think you can just divide by a percentage like that. I think you no, have probably to not. do something uh, no. Oh, God, yeah. It would so be what... a smaller number anyway, so it would be less exciting than the modern the modern amount. <laughs> it would. So it uh, would let's be. just keep the image of 2,500 yeah. raspberry tarts in our head. That's, yes. that's the sexy one. Yes. Right. Sorry, Mikey, carry on. <laughs> no, this was important math that we had to attempt. <laughs> yeah. So there was the deliveries of coal. 
followed yeah. by a, a series of cake makers delivering large wedding cakes. Vicars and priests summoned to minister to someone in the house they had been told was dying. Jesus. Fishmongers, shoemakers, and over a dozen pianos were among the next to appear. Oh, <laughs> my God. Along with six stout men bearing an organ. Which <laughs> organ? <laughs> Very oh, for good. S- six men. Oh, oh, big, big old organ. The narrow streets soon became severely congested with not just tradesmen, but also a small crowd of onlookers trying to figure out what the hell was going on, all while laughing at the despair of these poor tradesmen. Deliveries and visits continued until the early evening, bringing not just Bernard Street, but a large part of London to a complete standstill. It was said that there was enough furniture delivered to this house to furnish the entire street. Oh, God. If all that wasn't bad enough, this didn't just end with tradesmen and businesses clogging the streets. Somehow, Hook had managed to wrangle a host of dignitaries, including the governor of the Bank of England. What? The the chairman of the East India Company. Oh my God. Yeah, Jesus. The Duke of York and the Archbishop of Canterbury. (laughs) Wow. Impressive. What was the, sorry, what was, how much was the bet again? uh, 85 pounds in today's money. (laughs) Okay, that is absolutely, he spent way more than that because that's worth 7,419 pounds today. Well, I wonder if, if what he, um, what he did was like, make all of these arrangements and say oh and i trust you'll send me on the bill or you know i'll pay you on the day sort of thing yeah and if each person thinks oh well all he's done is order one piano or all he's done is order 50 tarts yeah fine yeah. I'll, he can pay me on the day they don't know that he's also ordered thousands upon thousands of other services i just think I, this is going to come back to bite him in the, i mean you may well tell us mikey but yeah it, it's going to come back to bite him in, in the ass because if he's done that and people learn of who did it because presumably he's spoken to the archbishop of canterbury and got him to show up <laughs> then his reputation is in tatters and then he's not going to be able to have any fun anymore which is apparently all he ever did as a wealthy man i think uh peter's um kind of hit the well yeah the kind of the way he did this i mean we're still not done with the people that came yet but so i think lady tottenham was quite well to do and quite well known in the elites so he essentially forged a lot of numbers, a lot of letters, uh, the number I'll disclose later on, to all these people addressed from her. So obviously, if you receive a letter from Lady Tottenham requesting your presence or whatever, mm. people are just going to mm. go, oh, she's good for it. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. you go. Yeah, damn right. Uh, da, da, da. And yeah, so obviously he's used this kind of swing she had to to help rope in everyone from chimney sweeps to the fucking Archbishop of Canterbury. <laughs> <laughs> But that wasn't all. The I think the the the, the ultimate crowning glory of the day was um, Hook utilised the swing Lee Tottenham had by getting the Mayor of London to arrive <laughs> by requesting that he make an appearance at her house and that she was too unwell to meet her meet her himself in person. He arrived and quickly realised it was all a hoax and left very quickly with his tail between his legs. The evening rolled around and police finally had a handle on the situation and had dispersed most of the people that were summoned. What people didn't realise is that Hook and Beasley had in fact been there the entire time watching the chaos unfold from the house directly opposite 54 (laughs) Berners Street. (laughs) Cheeky gets. 
by this point, it was pretty evident to Beasley that he had lost this bet, and Beasley handed the guinea over to Hook. And later that day, Hook fled to the countryside in order to avoid retribution for his actions. Wow. Worth it, it, maybe? Oh, I I think so, man. This is a work of art. Could you imagine the absolute scenes? Yeah, it's amazing. I I did do a little bit more reading on Beasley, and um, he wasn't just a scamp. He was uh, also an embezzler. Um, he stole like millions upon millions of pounds from companies. And so this is probably his light on the list of his uh, his wrongdoings. <laughs> so the next morning rolled around and newspaper reports started flooding in. But it wasn't just confined to London papers. This had made news all across the country. Uh, one annual register said that this was one of the most notable events in London of the entire year of 1810. <laughs> Of course, everyone was eager to know who was the perpetrator of this fiasco, but officially, no one ever found out that Hook was behind everything. So he was ne- he was ne- there was no evidence to pin him to the crime. No one knew that he did it, and so he, he kind of ran off scot free until I think it was like fifteen years later. In a kind of jokey autobiography, he wrote himself, he kind of had a character which revealed that oh, I was the one who uh, who did all this. So. He kind of certainly let it out there, but he still never faced any repercussions for his actions. Wow. So you're probably thinking, this is a hell of a lot of work for one man to undertake in just one week. Turns out, this is something Hook had been planning for quite some time, and he wasn't doing it alone. He had hired a small team to help him make as many bookings as possible. And it's said that this team wrote as many as 4,000 letters in the weeks or even maybe months leading up to the big day. Jeez, <laughs> oh, 4,000 letters. Again, this is, I mean, when you've got, when you've got as much money as he does, it's just kind of, it's, it's fuck you money at that point. And yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll make a bet and lose thousands and thousands in the process. It's just for a laugh. And yeah, so I guess him bringing along his friend to the house was simply the last step in the process. Everything was already in motion at that point. And he was just the final piece of the puzzle before chaos ensued on the streets of London. And wow. that is that is the tale of the Burner Street hoax. Goodness That's a wonderful me. tale. I've I have never not heard that before. Heard of that at all. No. No, I I I think I've heard briefly of it before, but just reading into it and looking at old newspaper newspaper clippings where they just list off all these different jobs, it's just it's amazing. Some wonderful diagrams out there of the event as well, which I highly recommend looking at. Incredible. Thank you so much, Mikey. Oh, thank you. Stephen Brady at uh, Two Pints of Milk on Twitter says, you are Dave Benson Phillips' new manager. You have an 80... 80- <laughs> we basically are, let's face it. <laughs> you have an 80k budget to revitalise his career. How would you each proceed? Well, first oh. of all, 50 quid to go on potty it's, That's <laughs> Yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a good starting point. Mm-hmm. Um... I wonder if I would bring Get Your Own Back back um, mm. on TV, maybe as a sort of, maybe a sort of late night special um, that's kind of, I don't mean sexy, I just mean, you know. <laughs> naked, get your own back. <laughs> naked, get your own back. No, but, you know, to target the audience who actually remember it as a, as a show originally. So, you know, a kind of a 9, 10 p.m. thing, get a load of sort of current day yeah, because they were grown up with comedians. it, weren't they? Well, um, yeah, yeah. a lot of celebrities, like real famous boys and girls, like uh, 
what's he called? What's that Harry Potter boy called? Daniel. Daniel Radcliffe. Radcliffe. He almost certainly grew up with uh, with Get Your Own Back, I would imagine. Yeah. So yeah, get him on. That's a great idea. Yeah, get a bunch of bunch of them on, and uh, you know, just just do a do a do maybe one special or do a short series, six episodes, see if it takes off. Um, and then you could spin that off into. I mean, this doesn't help Dave in any way, but you could spin <laughs> it off into a uh, sort of a CBBC comeback series. So you do like six episodes mm. to get your own back, then you you get Raven back, and you do six episodes of like adult celebrities doing Raven. That'd be great. I'd watch that. I'd yeah. watch Daniel Radcliffe as a grown man <laughs> doing Raven. As what it is? Were. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I I I just as a little thing as well. Let's just let's just give him like a bit of money for a proper green screen that isn't a, a green painted wall with yeah. a bunch of DVDs in front of it. So that in his own time, he can t- continue to make money. Hmm. That's thoughtful, Mikey. Yeah, only, we're only looking out for Dave here. That's right, boys. Yeah, I mean, eighty k. I think he he goes and buys uh, eighty thousand lottery tickets because <laughs> um, one of them's <laughs> got to win, right? Yeah, right. Uh, statistically, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so. one of them I mean, has to win. Uh, no, I think he he puts he puts fifteen k aside for his child's tuition, right? A university, yeah. get that sorted. Five k, really nice holiday. Dave deserves a holiday. Yeah, another five k, uh, new car. Why the hell not? Yeah. Right. Two uh, k. What we. I don't know what we're up to now. Don't know what we're up to. He needs he needs to get his uh, hand, foot, and mouth sorted. Make sure that doesn't come back. (laughs) I think we're up to twenty-seven. I may be wrong. It's fifteen for tuition, five for holiday, five for car. Two. We could spend a couple of quid wiping out his entire stock on eBay just so it's not burning on him anymore. Okay, so that's twenty-seven thousand and two pounds that's (laughs) now being spent. Um, So (laughs) seagull repellent. Seagull repellent. That's got to be what seven pounds. Yeah, yeah, that's why I need a new car, actually. 27. So what we got? We got uh, 80,000. Take away 27. I've hit divide, boys. Today. I've hit divide. 80,000. <laughs> You're right. A lot of maths. 27,002. Right. So we still got... No. No. I did it wrong again. Doesn't matter. Press the wrong button. <laughs> Let's just say he's got 53 grand left. That sounds nice. Um, um... <sighs> He's got it adverts. I think he's going to fly one of those skywriting planes, <laughs> right? Uh, over where should he fly it over? Hmm. That portion, that that area of London where they always advertised for the uh, for Blue Peter's address. What was it? Oh God! Uh, w something. W W twelve. W twelve. That's where he flies it. And yeah. It says uh, higher DBP. Yeah. Um, he then and on the other side it says one hundred and fifty points. He may... <laughs> what on the Should other we... side of his skywriting? <laughs> no. Well, oh, is it is it smoke skywriting? In... I thought you meant it's pulling a little banner thing. In my fiction, yeah, that's what got to be like a couple of grand, maybe. Yeah. Thereabouts. Yeah. He then yeah. spends the remaining money because he sorted himself out. He sorted his uh, his offspring's future out. He's got himself a nice car. He's taking a little break. Um. Then he's still got, let's say, 50 grand. I think he then 
what does he do? There's one there's one more thing I wanted Dave to do for himself. Like a nice thing that Dave does for himself. I think put ten pounds on the mor a tenth and ten pounds on the mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> put ten large on the mortgage. Yeah. Forty K yeah. left. And with the uh, what, mm, go on. I, I think well we should he had his list of all the things he would do shows for. Should we just buy that yeah, entire list? Juggling for him? set. Uh, yeah. <laughs> thing is he only he only needs that stuff because he's not on television. Once he's got oh, once he's true. back in the big time, he doesn't need the juggling set anymore. Or a dishwasher. Hopefully. <laughs> um, so he's got forty K left. I think he finds one of those like Chinese, Russian, Indian uh, bot farms and mm -hmm gives them all of that money equally to basically create a fake campaign of mass interest in Dave Benson Phillips. Like tweet everyone yeah. who works for the BBC, get hashtags trending, just like this full on bot assault of making Dave Benson Phillips relevant. So everyone's like, huh, who's this Dave Benson Phillips guy? Oh, you don't remember Dave Benson Phillips? He was like, oh, that's Dave Benson Phillips. Oh my God. And then it works its way up to the top of the BBC. And before we know it, our boy has a pilot. And then it's up to him and his talents. And we know he's got them. How much do you have to pay Rupert Murdoch or his, <laughs> his empire to take an interest in someone and fill the tabloids? Your, with your soul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I'm, I'm thinking now, if Dave Ben's like, so we've done all this and Dave's now a household name. Would, would you think he'd like go back into the quote unquote mainstream like television and radio and stuff like that or would he try out the the new technology like the tiktoks and the twitches do you think he'd get a twitch account oh i hope so <laughs> oh that that would be that would honestly be the best thing ever i think i think yeah a little bit of money should be set aside to get him a gaming computer <laughs> now he could either have a get your only fans or <laughs> oh very good <laughs> only phillips uh one oh, two. very good <laughs> uh, that would be good. Actually, I take it back. He only spends thirty nine thousand on the bot farm because a thousand he donates to Pod Squad. There we go. Uh, there we and go. we mend fences, and he realizes that we weren't actually being rude about him. We like him very much. Um, yes, yes. We just find his choices concerning, even though we've siphoned money. Us as management are supposed to be spending to better his career on into our own bank account. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, we want to take a little bit. A little yeah, bit for us. What, you know. That's how it do. works, though, being someone's manager, I think. You mm -hmm. siphon most of the money off. Yeah. Yeah. A bit I of skimming. Mean, we let Dave spend £10 on his mortgage, so we deserve a grant, <laughs> I think. Yeah. yeah I'd say fair. so. Peter? Yeah. Would you like to do Anthing? Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, let me just get it get it up this was um submitted by richard major to me directly on twitter it's Ooh. very good it's a weird capitia i i was completely unaware of this uh this is the dave matthews band chicago river incident Ooh. okay um this happened on the 8th of august 2004 uh okay so this sort of goes from naught to 11 quite quickly um on august the 8th 2004 over the Kinsey Street Bridge in Chicago, a tour bus belonging to the Dave Matthews Band dumped an estimated 800 pounds, that's 360 kilograms, of human waste no. from the bus's Blackwater tank onto, onto the passenger sightseeing boat Chicago's <laughs> Little Lady sailing in the Chicago River below. Oh no, that sentence keep, kept getting worse. Yeah, it did, didn't it? 
the incident led to more than $300,000 in settlements, donations, and fines. The band's bus driver, Stefan Vol, pleaded guilty to dumping the waste in April 2005. <gasps> wow. <laughs> so we've got a uh, Wikipedia write-up here. Um, 800 pounds! That's a lot for one little tour bus. Jesus. 360 kilograms of human waste. How big is it's, that tank? I don't really understand. I don't, yeah, I, that's... I'm surprised it could even just carry that amount, as well as everything else they were carrying, surely. But anyway, the Dave Matthews Band, this is um, under the section called Background. Um, the Dave Matthews Band had booked rooms at the Peninsula Hotel of 10 East Superior Street for a two-night show at a venue in East Troy, Wisconsin. The incident occurred between the first and second night of the concert. The band booked five buses for its show, Accused uh, semicolon accused bus driver Stefan Vol drove the bus of the band's violinist Boyd Tinsley. During warm months, the Chicago Architecture Center offers a boat tour of the buildings along the Chicago River. The boats have open roof seating where passengers sit for the duration of the tour. Most Chicago bridges feature riveted grating, which is used for its strength and anti-slip properties. Riveted grating allows rain and other liquids to pass through, removing the need for complicated drainage systems. Next section is marked Incident. <laughs> Good. On Sunday, August 8th, 2004, at 1.18pm, bus driver Stefan Voll was alone in the bus of band violinist Boyd Tinsley on his way to a downtown hotel when he emptied, emptied the bus's Blackwater tank as it crossed the metal grates of the Kinsey Street Bridge. Passenger boat Chicago's Little Lady was hosting the 1pm scheduled Chicago Architecture Foundation tour of the Chicago River. While passing under the bridge, the boat received the full contents of the tank on the seats of its open roof terrace. Oh, the roughly full, two the full contents, not even the full a little contents. bit missed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> roughly two-thirds of the 120 passengers aboard the tour boat were, quote, soaked, according to Wikipedia. The boat immediately returned to its dock, where all passengers were issued refunds. <laughs> Five passengers went to Northwest Memorial Hospital for testing. According to the Illinois Attorney General, passengers aboard included persons with disabilities, elderly, a pregnant woman, a small child, and an infant. That's less funny. I mean, it's not funny that it happens to anyone, but that's even less funny. Um, the filing also describes the incident further. This is a quote from the filing to the uh, attorney general. The liquid waste was brownish yellow was a brownish yellow in color and had a foul offensive odor. The liquid human waste went into passengers' eyes, mouths, hair and onto clothing and personal belongings, many of which were soaked. Uh, Some no. of the passengers suffered nausea and vomiting as a result of exposure to the human waste. The boat's deck, this is end quote there, uh, the boat's deck was swabbed by its crew and service was, re was resumed for its scheduled 3pm tour. What? Yeah. They've got to make their money. They did a good swabbing for two hours there. <laughs> um, so, aftermath, the final section I think here. 
Immediately following the incident, evidence as to the identity of the bus or bus driver was unclear to the Chicago Police Department, who stated they were investigating the incident but did not yet consider it a crime. On the August the 9th, the Chicago Architecture Foundation released a statement that a witness had recorded the license plate, which they turned over to the police as evidence. On August 10th... Um, so it's actually just recently been the anniversary of this event, actually. Oh, uh, on August 10th, bus driver Jerry Fitzpatrick, also uh, who also drove for the band, was identified as the owner of the bus's license plate. In a phone interview, Fitzpatrick deni- uh, denied to a Chicago Tribune reporter that he had dumped the waste, asserting he was parked in front of the band's hotel at the time. A publicist for the Dave Matthews Band issued a statement in response saying the band's management had determined that every one of its buses was parked at the time Mm. of the incident. Mm. Fitzpatrick, who was in Effingham, Illinois at the time, instructed Sergeant Paul Gardner of the Effingham Police Department to inspect the bus's septic tank to prove he could not have emptied it. Gardner reported to the Chicago Tribune over Fitzpatrick's cell phone that he had inspected the tank and that it was nearly full. Um, wow, they really, they were going through some serious What are they eating waste. on that bus? Yeah. <laughs> um, state prosecutors worked with a nearby fitness gym at East Bank Club to determine the offending bus based on the gym's security videotapes. On August the 24th, Illinois Attorney General Lisa Madigan launched a $70,000 lawsuit against Vol, alleging he was responsible for the for the dumping. Vol denied dumping. dumping the waste and was <laughs> indeed. Uh, Vol denied dumping the waste and was supported by the band. On August 25th, Mayor Richard M. Daly held a press conference in which he released the videotape used as evidence. Daly also expressed his belief that the dumping was quote absolutely unacceptable, but that he believed that the Dave Matthews band was quote a very good band. <laughs> What's that got to do with Perfect. it? Perfect. <laughs> it's fine then. Uh, in March 2005, however, as evidence mounted, Vol pleaded guilty to reckless conduct and discharging contaminants to cause water pollution. The Dave Matthews Band, however, did not immediately apologise for previously supporting Vol. He was sentenced to completing 150 hours of community service, received a fine of $10,000 to be paid to Friends of the Chicago River, an environmental organisation, and he also received 18 months of probation. The Dave Matthews Band donated an additional $50,000 to the Chicago Park District, as well as $50,000 to Friends of the Chicago River, and paid the state of Illinois $200,000 as a settlement. The Dave Matthews Band additionally agreed to keep a log log (laughs) of when and where its buses empty their septic tanks. (laughs) It is believed that Vol did not realise there was a boat underneath the bridge when he dumped the waste. No passengers suffered any long-lasting physical health effects from having the waste dumped on them. So it doesn't matter that there was a boat underneath. He shouldn't have been dumping it in the river full stop. No. I wouldn't have done it if I knew (laughs) there was a boat under there. I didn't realise there was a boat under there. I was trying to dump it straight into the river. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hell. I thought it was maybe an accident going into this, but no, it was malice dumping. Yeah, he was crossing the bridge and thought, oh, I need to dump this extremely hefty load of human waste I have on this bus for some reason. And, oh, look, there's gaps in this bridge. I'll do it here. Horrific. Jesus Christ. Wow. Thank you, Peter, for that smelly thing. You're welcome. (laughs) It's not breaking poos. It's old poos. That one, I think. Yeah. 
Callum Story at Callum Story One says, currently off work sick. Can we get some stories of your worst or weirdest illnesses? Oh. I've got a couple that I can kick us off with. Okay. Uh, my weirdest one was probably that I've spoken about this one anecdotally before, I think, um, was over one Christmas where I got sick with a stomach bug. But you remember mini hula hoops? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, they used to do those in like buckets. You could just yeah. get a bucket yes, mini. Yes. I got one for Christmas from from the big FC, right? Captain Santa Claus himself. Right. And I ate a lot of them. And then I had this stomach bug and I was sick. And I associated hula hoops with making me sick on Christmas. And uh, oh. I never ate them again. I have since eaten hula hoops from time to time. But as a child, I would never touch hula hoops again. Because yeah, fair I'm allergic to them, you know? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they make me sick. Um, the other time, I would say, is probably the worst food poisoning I've ever had, which was from a sausage roll from Tesco. Ooh, just one of their okay, own not Greg's then. sausage roll. No, not Greg's, mercifully. And I was at university at the time, and it wiped me out for like a week. And I've never had food poisoning <laughs> like that before. I was just being ill all of the time. And I couldn't go to any lectures and I emailed Tesco and said, hey, your sausage rolls made me really unwell. And they said, oh, have you, uh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Have you uh, held on to um, held on to the sausage rolls? And I was like, no, because they made me sick. And I've also been in bed for like four days. And I only feel the strength now to, to contact you. And they're like, oh, sorry. Well, you know, if we can't test it, then you might be lying to us. Uh, so I never got, I never got what was mine. You know, I never got mine. Oh, man. As a result. Not necessarily weird, but that was certainly a really shit illness. Yeah. I My worst food poisoning that I ever had, I've got a weird one as well, but this is one of the worst I've had, was um, it was at What Culture, actually. Um, they weren't responsible, but I just remember that's where I was working at the time. And um, I had made a sandwich and brought it in to work, and it was a ham sandwich. And I remember, actually, at the time, eating it and thinking it tasted different it didn't taste bad at all like I didn't think it tasted bad but it tasted kind of sweet um oh. and I thought oh, maybe it's like well I, don't, I didn't even think about it at the time but like if I had I think I would have just thought maybe it's sort of honey honey roast ham or something it just tastes sweet but it tastes fine mm. um then I went home I was absolutely fine uh had some dinner as well and we had um uh chicago town i think they were pizzas or or something it was a brand i don't normally have and then we were just sitting watching tv after dinner and i was like oh i could i could probably just go f go go to the loo right now i think maybe and uh when i went into the bathroom like just i just became from both ends just an absolute fountain oh <laughs> It was so, so bad, like horrendous. And I had the difficult decision or the diff I was in the, the difficult position, I should say, of having to uh, be seated to deal with one problem, but also think <laughs> I'm about to throw up. What do I do? Do I like, I can't just vomit between my own legs. What am I supposed to do? So I was sort of trying to do, trying to kind of take turns, um, kind of, quickly hovering on my on my like <laughs> leaning forwards and throwing up in the sink uh oh. and then sitting back down again very quickly uh and because i just had dinner i was just throwing up like 
it just looked like pizza that had just been chewed up a bit. Like it was not oh, even no. remotely digested. And poor Amy heard all this commotion and came in and just like looked after me and like the sink was just orange oh, and no. sorry this is really it's incredibly if enjoying their dinner at home it's really graphic isn't it but it's just i'm trying to get get across how awful i felt and then actually for the next like three days i couldn't i certainly couldn't eat anything and i couldn't even drink anything without like throwing up again um oh. so for like two or three days i basically wasn't getting any water in me or almost nothing um and amy was like if if this goes on any longer like you're gonna have to like go to hospital or something because you're not getting any liquid in you mm. um and she like was talking to her mom who used to be a nurse and her mom was like go and get some ice cubes and he might be able to like hold an ice cube in his mouth and that like means that you're literally like drip you know drip drinking as it were rather than gulping any kind of mouthful you just slowly taking in water probably through your mouth as well just absorbing it mm. um and i just about kind of stayed out of hospital but they were i think we were all kind of on the edge of sending me in because i was just in such a bad way jesus um the ham was out of date if you'd not noticed <laughs> it but, wasn't uh, meant to be sweet it wasn't oh. supposed to be sweet but um i had no idea like i've never I've never like accidentally eaten out of date food before then. And now I, since then I've always been really, I, it's like, it was a traumatic experience and I oh, always yeah. now check sell by dates. I don't like risk it by a day. I used to like sometimes think, oh, well, you know, like if it's 12 hours past the day, like it doesn't really matter. You know, they cover themselves at the shop, but I now won't do that ever. And whenever I cook like chicken or something, I will not sit down and eat like a fillet of chicken that I've cooked. Even if I know it's been in there the required time, I will not sit down and eat it without cutting it in half and checking to see if there's like steam coming out of it. And I will like, I will touch it as well just to make sure it's like too hot to touch because mm. um, I'm just basically traumatized from that yeah, no, experience. Um, but the weirdest but one I've had is I had the migraine. Well, apart from um, apart from when I got amnesia, which I've told that story twice now on the podcast. So, uh, you know, you already know that one in Germany. Uh, but I got a, a migraine when I was a student. Um, and I remember, I think I'd been up all night, like finishing a, like an essay or something. Um, and I had like a, I think I'd finished it and I went back to my um, student-like apartment just to submit it online. And so I was basically ready for bed. I'd probably been up for like 26 hours or something. And I was looking at my laptop and I'd submitted the thing and I was basically about to turn it off. But I, I don't know if I was like checking my emails or something. And I noticed like right in the center of my vision, there was just like a small area that started to kind of swirl a little bit. And like kind of, I think it's called, is it called aura that you get when you have a migraine? And it was like kind of just like swirling around a little bit. I was like, oh, that's weird. What was going on there? And then I looked down at a piece of paper that was on my desk and I could see that there was writing there and I could make out all the letters clearly, but I couldn't read. I like I was incapable of reading. I was like, what the hell is happening here? And I think I like managed to stay calm enough to think I'm not having a stroke. I'm clearly having some sort of migraine here. But that was really strange to actually look down, see what I knew were English words like clearly and I just couldn't read what it was saying I was like oh my god so needless to say I got straight into bed 
went to sleep and uh, I've never had one since. I know some people get them kind of chronically, but um, Jesus, yeah, it was a really strange thing. Sadly, I'm not much of a, an ill boy. I, like, well, I'm saying this right now as a sickly boy, but when I get ill, like 99% of the time, it's a cold and at worst, it's a sore throat and I feel sorry for myself for a week. But I, again, without retreading on old ground, it's 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 my what culture vomit plop story where I rocked up to the office one morning within half an hour of getting there, I vomited in the toilet. I was like, mm, I don't feel good. Left the office and like spent the entire journey home trying to keep in sick and then having to run off the metro vomiting on a platform in front of like 20 people and just oh. looking like a mess that was the worst bit probably the oh, embarrassment was like i've not been drinking i'm just ill leave me alone and then yeah getting home into my lovely warm bed breathing a sigh of relief and sighing a bit too hardly and pooing myself <laughs> twice <laughs> And was that just a bug or do you think you um, it was like food poisoning or something? I think it must have been a bug because, yeah, yeah I, I don't think, yeah, I, the, like no one else in our house got ill that night. And it was just, it, was, it must have been like a 24 hour thing because like it didn't take too long to clear up. But my God, what a sweaty and ploppy period it was to be laid yeah, up in bed. That's terrible. Not fun. I never, I never wish to ha- have that happen again. Once was enough. Thank you very mm-hmm. much. Yeah. Bloody hell. I was just Googling an image of uh, the mini hula hoops just to put on the thread. I couldn't find any photos of mini hula hoops. But I did, however, find a photo of regular hula hoops, including a link to this article here from the mirror. Lad finds world biggest hula hoop, a supersized five-inch crisp. Would you like to see it? <laughs> I think I saw this at the time, but please do. Get a load of that one. Yeah, Whoa. there it is. I've seen that before. Jesus, it looks like some kind of spawn of the devil. Big chunky crisps. Yeah. I'm going to add it to the thread now, just so people will know what the fuck we're talking about. Reminder: if you go and follow us on uh, uh, on Twitter at Vidiots Official, uh, we do tweet a thread for every single Podiots episode, so you can tell ahead of time when we're recording, and also get weird cryptic hints at the kind of stuff that we're talking about. So go check us out there. You two yeah. can see the big mangled looking hula hoop. You can see the big crisp. <laughs> the hoop. Um, oh, there we are. Hopefully they eat that and have, have kept that and had a news story written about it and they gave it a name and it's stayed in the family for years yeah. since. Yeah. Perfect. Right. It's time for my thing, guys. Ooh-hoo-hoo. Have you ever thought about putting a child in the post? Uh, not, not personally probably no. as a child I probably thought about posting myself but no not as an adult okay can one of you pop this on the thread but there you go there's a nice uh, image of two postmen with children <laughs> in their oh my God. little mail bags there thank you that's that is literally as you describe it it's it's just children sitting in mail bags with cute little hats yeah it's very sweet we're gonna learn a little bit about posting children now slash humans um this is all taken from an Imgur post slash thread. It's clearly screenshots of an article, but I don't know which article or where it is. So here we go. In 1913, it was legal to mail children with stamps attached oh, to Mikey, their clothing. you've uh, posted that from your own account. Oh, Mikey. Fuck. <laughs> Rookie mistake. <laughs> Damn. Let me get in there and change Bloody that. Bloody tweet Sorry, deck. Man. That's all right. Eek. In 1913, it was legal to mail children. With stamps attached to their clothing, children rode trains to their destinations, accompanied by letter carriers. One newspaper reported it cost 53 cents for parents to mail their daughter to her grandparents for a family visit. And then there's that photo that's in the link dump now. (laughs) 
Uh, in January 1913, one Ohio couple took advantage of the US Postal Service's new parcel service to make a very special delivery, their infant son. The Beegs paid 15 cents for his stamps and an unknown amount to insure him for $50, then handed him over to the mailman who dropped the boy off at his grandmother's house about a mile away. Regular Sorry, hmm? we lost your baby, but here's $50. It's $50. That's the insurance you paid for. I'm going to need one of you <laughs> now to look away. up. a mile away. A mile away. Yeah, a mile away. Yeah, about a mile away. They couldn't right. be bothered. <laughs> no, they really couldn't. $50. What's $50 in today's money? That's the real question. What, what year was it? 1913. 1913. Yeah. The US dollar has lost 97% of its value since 1913. Oh. Wait, whoa. Uh, wait, sorry. Can you say that the, uh, I found the inflation calculator? Could you give me the number again? It, it was 1913 and it was insured for 50, $50, dollars five zero. That's uh, $1,500 in today's money. Yeah, okay. yeah. That's, that's fair. Yeah, I'd take that for a baby. Yeah, it's worth a baby, sure. Uh, yeah. Regulations about what you could and couldn't send through the mail were vague when post offices began accepting parcels over £4 on January the 1st, 1913. People immediately started testing its limits by mailing eggs, bricks, snakes and other unusual <laughs> packages. So were people allowed to mail their children? Technically, there was no postal regulation against it. And it says in a quote here, The first few years of parcel post service, it was a bit of a mess, says Nancy Pope, head curator of history at the National Postal Museum. You had different towns getting away with different things, depending on how their postmaster read the regulations. Pope has found about seven instances of people mailing children between 1913 and 1915, beginning with the baby in Ohio. It wasn't common to mail your children. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't common to mail your children. Uh, yet for long distances, it would have been cheaper to buy the stamps to send a kid by railway, by railway mail than to buy her a ticket on a passenger train. In addition, people who mailed their children weren't handing them over to a stranger. In rural areas, many families knew their mailman quite well. However, those two viral photos, which are the ones that I, I sent to you guys, you might have seen online of postal workers carrying babies in their mailbag were staged photos taken as a joke. Uh. A mailman might have carried a swaddled child who couldn't walk, but he wouldn't have let a diaper-wearing baby sit in a pile of people's mail. And then there's a photo. Yeah, I guess them sitting in the mailbag is kind of like... It almost implies that the postman is like a robot that doesn't understand, like, oh, <laughs> this is parcel, parcel go in bag. Yeah, yeah like he's... <laughs> whatever he's sending must go in his You sack. are classed as mail, you of... must go in the bag. Yeah. And then there's a photo I've just sent you guys. May It says, May Peerstorff, who was sent through the mail, <laughs> is the caption of the photo. I'd be pretty Peerstorff if I was sent in the mail, oh, to be honest. Oh, nice. In the case of May Peerstorff, whose parents sent her to her <laughs> grandparents' house 73 miles away in February 1914, the postal worker who took her by railway mail train was a relative. The Idaho family paid 53 cents for the stamps that they put on their nearly six-year-old daughter's coat. Yet after Postmaster General Albert S. Albert S. Burleson heard about this incident, as well as another inquiry uh, someone had made that month about mailing children, he officially banned postal workers from accept accepting humans as mail. Still, the new regulation didn't immediately stop people from sending their children by post. A year later, a woman mailed her six-year-old daughter from her home in Florida to her father's home in Virginia. At 720 miles... It was uh, the longest Jeez, postal trip wow. of any of the children Pope had identif has identified and cost 
15 cents in stamps. What? God. In today's money, that's $4.50. for a 700-mile journey. That's a bargain. In all, Your child may never look at you the same way afterwards, but hey, think of the saving. She's got to come back as well, though. That's the thing. <laughs> in August 1915, three-year-old Maud Smith made what appears to be the last journey of a child by US Post when her grandparents mailed her 40 miles through Kentucky to visit her sick mother. After the story made the news, Superintendent John Clark of the Cincinnati Division of the Railway Mail Service investigated, questioning why the postmaster in Caney, Kentucky, had allowed a child on a mail train when that was explicitly against regulations. I don't know if he lost his job, but he sure had some explaining to do, Pope says. Though Maud seems to be the last successfully male... <laughs> I love this sentence. Though Maud seems to be the last successfully mailed child... Oh, God. Others would later still try to mail their children. In June 1920, First Assistant Postmaster General John C. Coons rejected two applications to mail children, noting that they couldn't be classified as harmless at sorry, couldn't be classified as harmless live animals, according to the Los Angeles <laughs> Times. And there we are. You used oh, to be able to, in America, post your children across the country for a brief period. It, it kind of, well, I mean, it doesn't make it any better, but it kind of makes sense when you said that everyone knew their local post carrier. So it was, it was it, like, I just had this mental image of people going up to the post office with a baby, mm. <laughs> with yeah, like a stamp attached to his forehead. Yeah, <laughs> can you send this for me, please? And like, yeah, sure, why not? You got the right stamps. <laughs> oh, sorry, I can only take you as far as Kentucky. But we don't want to go to Kentucky. <laughs> Who, sorry, but that's where you're going. Who the hell is insuring their child for fifteen hundred dollars for a one mile trip like why why are you i know they didn't pay fifteen hundred dollars so that's not how insurance works but you know who who has bought that much insurance to the, post their child a mile away mm. I and mean, maybe they weren't mobile enough themselves to take the child but uh you know dep i get also depends how old the child is because you almost think that back in 1913 as long as a child's capable of walking, if they're like five or six, you probably just send them on their own. Just say, yeah. off you go to granny's, you know, mm. it's a one mile walk. Um, I know people born much later than that who used to do trips like that when they were six. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, there we are. Crazy. That used to happen. That's so good. Time for the final question from a tiny demon at it's underscore Lisa underscore arts on Twitter. Would you do a and d campaign based in the VCU? <laughs> uh, I we... would, but it just seems one of us, we, we would need a DM for starters, and that seems like a lot of work. Yes, so. there's a lot of people when we've spoken about D&D &D before who've immediately sprung up on Twitter and said, I'd, I'd dungeon master it for you. I'd mm. do it. And that's yeah. very kind. But ultimately, if it's in the VCU that would necessitate us putting together some sort of VCU Bible that details every character, every in-joke, every silly thing we've ever talked about. And I can't be asked to do that. Yeah, and I think although we are... I don't know if it comes across that we're, that we're this way, but I think we probably have a little bit of... Um, uh, I kind of, I think we might be a bit protective of exactly how those things are used. In if we were to create content and you know do an actual D and D podcast or something, mm. and someone very kindly volunteered to DM it, I think to not be in control of how, for example, 
Dave Benson Phillips fits into that universe or, you know, what, you know, doing the, the magic meat face spell, casting that and what that entails. I think all of that, to leave that up to someone else outside of uh, the three of us would would be a, a gamble, I guess, as to how well it would come off. Because yeah. um, anyone can populate their, their D&D campaign with, vcu characters and i welcome people to do that by all means but if it was official poddy it's content and we were doing a DD um podcast i think it would have to be done in such a way that they've it's not just oh here's here's a fantasy village where dave benson phillips and milo and mr blobby live like it's it would have to be kind of more well thought out than that and i don't think any of us have the time to do that yeah i think ideally it'd be like a single three-hour one-shot campaign yeah which is like what like a really specific little storyline where all these characters are kind of like thrown in but it makes sense it's not just yeah it's not just random things but god it would be stunning to do that at some point but we need to sit down and workshop this for a week before we even begin to tackle it yeah we We could potentially look at doing something like that for a uh a sort of what's it called one of those live streams you know those live streams that we do (laughs) yeah we could do one of those maybe at some point but uh yeah it's uh it's a nice idea i think generally we'd be up for it but it, it would be a challenge for the reason reasons you guys have said um mm-hmm. but maybe one day never say never we'll we'll see well i th- I, th- I think it might be worth giving at least a brief look into for the next uh, reunion but we no no promises briefly talked to mr humes about doing some sort of D thing with yeah, him we did. That yeah, was he years ago to... though so yeah he he, had, he did mention uh, he'd still be willing to do it, but um, I, again, as you say, it's the burden of <laughs> knowing our law. Yeah. And how to work it in in a kind of interesting way. It's like when I did, um, Mikey, you might not know that I did a community comic thing where people were drawing page by page, like a oh, story, yeah, yeah. We're just making it up. And that was very, again, I'm not complaining that this is the way it turned out because that was very much a, a community thing. But if it was, again, put out as like an official bit of content, it was kind of on page three, it would be like, Steven Siegel, you're here. And then the next page that someone else did, oh, yes, I'm here with Milo. And then Milo's like, yeah, I'm just going to give Barbara Piss a call. And then it shows Barbara Piss on the owner of the phone standing next to, you know, whoever, the Scandal Penguin. And it's like, oh, it's kind of just, they're there for, for the sake of being there, which is not, it. I, I like to imagine a more intricately woven tapestry with kind of almost a believable universe. Um, that's how it would it would. I, I would like it to come out if that's what we yeah. did. And it's difficult to do. If it can't be perfect, it's it's yeah. gonna be it's gonna be tough. That's the potty it's model. Yeah, it's gotta be yes. perfect. Yeah. <laughs> We're renowned for our perfectionism, right? That's right. We've got we to gotta do that. Well, those are all the questions. Those are all the things. Um there's just enough time to talk about a few other other little bits and pieces. Michael, I believe there's some sort of sherp. You are correct. 
store.yogscast.com. If you navigate over to that website in your browser of choice, you'll find a wonderful array of goodies. But most importantly, if you navigate over to the video section of the website, mm. you'll find our latest, greatest, bestest piece of merch. The it is well yes it is beans time available in white and black t-shirts and it's also sat alongside all of our other fantastic beautiful merch including mug hoodie and other t-shirts that's store.yorkscast.com have a look it's beautiful and keep an eye on the yorkscast twitter for any discounts and shipping discounts and all that good stuff mm. Uh, uh, yes, uh, wonderful. Uh, we're on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook.com forward slash Vidiot Official. Also bit.ly forward slash Vidiot Official Discord in Camel Case. That's capital V, capital O, capital D. Go there, go speak to your fellow podiots and your fellow Vidiots. Say hi. Um, Twitch.tv forward slash Vidiot Official. We sometimes stream there. Streamlabs.com forward slash poddy. It's donations, three pounds or more to get a shout out at the beginning and the end of the show. You support us. You join Pod Squad. You get a shout out. We love you forever. Mikey, can you kick us off again, please? We begin with Peter's drunk gaming uncle. EA Spunk. It's in my ass. Oh, I got a bit croaky there. <laughs> love Spuds. Romantic Canal Museum. Uh, the very generous Tanker Wanker. Thank you. Janet Wicks. Oh, God, my voice is giving out now. I can do this. <laughs> Janet Wicks steals from Wicks. Oh, that's good enough. Harry Balzac. Steven scored as Mr. Black. Mr. Blobby becomes a nude model. Plodiot and Donak 07. Also, Weddy Feber, Dove's Lick. Lord Brotovich. Hobnob for Blobjobs. Cowboy... Oh, hang on. I did this right last time. Cowboy B. Brock. Big Titty Jesus 42. The Jizzwaffles. Caroline, your new wife's a cunt. Ben Gates, go beep beep wee. Janet Wick steals from Wicks. Stiff Goblin Clitoris. Your carp is beautiful. Ben's son and head jizz. Podiat present Carolyn's cunt. Bartek uh, and Bartek Hugh G. for Inton. Perfect. And finally, we have uh, Caro Time Here is Beans Line. Um, oh, I get it. That took me fucking ages. I'm so sorry. They did just switch the words around, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. It's just it's Beans Time. Oh. Uh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. It says Caro Time Here is Beans Line. But it should be Caroline Here is Beans Time. They just swapped the line and the time. <laughs> Didn't... Oh, see, I thought you knew that no, that's I what didn't. it was all this time. I genuinely I did. Didn't. I was at a complete loss. I was like, this is just <laughs> wrong. I don't... Oh, <laughs> what are you doing? This person pro- might not have even made it to the end of the podcast for their retribution. <laughs> oh, you know, they may have they donated already, so oh, who knows? Uh, thank you so much, though. I'm sorry. Uh, I am the Shaft Lord, Midwestern Kevin, Dick and Dom into Naked Jungle O, Mr. Macca, for Podiat's Defence Fund, a great wet belp, running out of nasty names, Prince Beefcakes, uh, thank you very much. You're very generous. Uh, Ashton, kick him in the balls. Rave Benson Phillips and Snail Rehab. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much. Once again, streamlabs.com forward slash poddy. It's donations. Three pounds or more to get a shout out. Thank you so much. Thank uh, you. Peter, what's on yeah. our videos this week, please? I'll tell you. Worst games ever. Mary, Kate and Ashley winner's circle. Mary high from oh, Pompeycraft is here. Vanilla Minecraft episode 10. Overcooked 2 breaks up the videos. Who lives in a pineapple? Vanilla Minecraft episode 11. Potty, it's episode 12. Marlowe's Purge. Oh. 
Post, uh, Postum Tat 25, we've been woolified. Oh, so my, my woolly character sat right, ne right next to me at all oh, times. Mine's on yeah. my shelf in the other room. Mine's Ooh. on my shelf behind me. Uh, time for your joy pills. We happy few time capsule unboxing. I wasn't there for that, I don't think. No, you weren't. Uh, worst games ever, Crazy Frog Racer. Uh, for duck's sake, Vanilla Minecraft episode 12. Sliding on blood, fairy tale fights. Mm. Smash that F button, Worms Revolution. Um, Benging with Babish, five oh. tasty recipes for your Switch cartridge. I t the reason I hesitate is because I have to skip past an unlisted video called Happy Birthday, Owen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> happy birthday, Owen. It's your birthday this month. Happy birthday, hey, Owen. It must be coming up. <laughs> yeah. Um, Benging with Babish, five tasty recipes for your Switch cartridge. Uh, cartridges. Um, uh, Person tat number 26, the ultimate tat, um, which I think was the walrus mask and Miley Cyrus cutout. Yes. Nice. Um, there was then a video's live Twitch stream of We Happy Few slash GTA 5, which is ineligible for monetization due to a copyright claim, um, which is real sad. Is that the uh, one where we played like the Ground Force theme song or something? It sounds yeah, right. possibly. Mm, maybe that we did that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and finally, um, out on the same day as this podcast is "Becoming Beautiful" Barbie Makeover Magic Ooh. Part One. Oh, what a prove what? it! That, that was, was a good one. one. That was when you were the model, Mikey. But yes. that's not until uh, next episode, I don't think. No, of the podcast. Such a good well, one. We'll, we'll save the stories for that one till next time. <laughs> we most certainly will well wonderful what a what a time to be alive huh vidiots mm. it's a real yeah. channel and you can go watch the stuff on it if you like you can but past the halfway point oh. well past it yeah yeah but oh, don't worry God. next year we get to do it all over again all yeah. over again mikey hello where are you on the internet please at Parrot Boy on Twitter is the best place to keep up with my comings and doings uh you can see some nice pictures of our cat and me wearing big wooden clogs. Wowie, what a what a deal. Go go check it out. And I, I stream I, once a year on Twitch, Paraboy. Go follow it and be ready for when I do. I'll I'll drop it at a moment's notice. You gotta be on your feet at all times. Thank you. Bye bye. Uh Peter, where are we? We're on Twitter as well, at that Peter Austin for myself and at confused underscore dude for Ben. Um and together, along with Ashton, Mikey Point Two. We are um, Mikey doing... point two. So only a little, only a tiny bit. <laughs> Not even a proper incremental upgrade. Not Mikey two point Mikey no. point two. Yeah. See, I've heard people do that before, and it used to irritate me. And then I've I've heard so many people do that as a mistake that I've clearly just absorbed that now. Mikey point two. The incremental um, upgrade. Yeah. If you want to see me and Ben working alongside someone who's a fifth as good as Michael Johnson, then you can go to Team Triple Jump on YouTube and Twitch. And of course, we've got social media presence at Team Triple Jump as well on Twitter and Facebook and TikTok and all sorts. Um, but we do loads of stuff over there that you will be familiar with if you've still not checked us out. Why? Why? Rules yeah. boss is there. Worst games ever. We do cooking sometimes. Do it. Go Go look. Go subscribe. Go and ask. Yeah, do it. Uh, why not leave us a five-star review on your platform of choice? It helps something to do with Al Gore's rhythms. Do you guys have a final question before we ride off into the sunset? 
Well, I, 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 I quite enjoyed the question of what would you teach a class for an hour if you had no lesson plan? Like what would yes. everyone's specialties be? Wonderful. What, would you, what would you impose on the youth? What would you do? Can I just say, we really, we really copped out with that question because I'm pretty sure the question said, you can't, you can't just like give them the lesson off, but Ben let them watch Shrek. <laughs> yep. And I never even got around to decide. I said something like DB Cooper, but not that. And that oh. was my answer. So we did a really good job there. Oh, now it's your job to do it properly. It certainly yeah. is. I mean, I'm a supply teacher, so, I, you know, I don't give a fuck. I'm not being paid enough. You don't enough. get paid enough. Well, actually, you do. You get paid quite a lot of money for some reason. I don't get why supply teachers are paid so much. but Emergency workforce. That's it. Yeah. Maybe. I, I don't know. So. Anyway. Nothing wrong with supply teachers. No, nothing wrong with I'm supply not, teachers. Go, they but... let you watch Shrek <laughs> and teach you vaguely about D.B. Cooper. So there's nothing wrong yeah. with that. <laughs> Don't understand how you can be a supply teacher and afford a phone. It's yeah, a, that's, that's the that's real true. mystery, yeah. isn't it? One day we'll get to the bottom of that. Uh, but not today. We're going to go now. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Look after yourselves. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.